millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. It's How Do We Fix It with Richard and Jim. Pedestrians and cyclists being killed in our cities. Nicole Gelinas. redesigning the streets to kind of force the cars and trucks to go more slowly seems to be the most effective thing that we're doing right now. And the bad news is that New York is a good city when it comes to these rates of death. You're three times more likely to be killed in Atlanta, whether you're in a car or you're walking, but particularly bad for pedestrians. And you're two times as likely to be killed in L.A. Our show is about fixes. Yeah, how to make the world a better place. How How do do we we fix fix it? it? How do we fix it? Richard, you ride your bike a lot in New York. I sure do. And so does Miranda, our producer, and I'm a big bike rider. But you have to admit, it's pretty dangerous out there on the city streets. Pedestrians, bicyclists get mowed down far too often. And not only here in New York, but also in other cities as well. That's right. And in New York, Bill de Blasio, when he took office in 2014, he promised something called Vision Zero, the idea that we'd have zero traffic deaths by 2024. And the city made some progress reducing fatalities. But in 2016, the process seems to have kind of hit a wall. So on this show, we're going to look at some initiatives that do and don't work on reducing fatalities and injuries among pedestrians and bicyclists on city streets. Our guest today is an expert on urban infrastructure and transportation. She's an advocate for a pragmatic approach to making our cities more livable. Nicole Gelinas, a senior fellow at the Manhattan Institute. She writes for City Journal, The Washington Post, LA Times, and a bunch of other publications. Nicole, welcome to How Do We Fix It? Thank you. Thanks for having me on, Richard and Jim. Yeah, so the question we're addressing today is people getting killed by cars and trucks on the streets of major cities. How big is the problem? Well, it's a big problem. And if you look at New York, you're right that we've made a lot of progress. If you go back to 1990, we had 701 people killed on the streets of New York, whether they were in a car, they were on a bicycle, or they were pedestrians. But the majority have always been pedestrians, because we're a walking city, we have more pedestrians out on the street, and you're protected by several tons of metal if you're in a car. So the good news is that we've gone from 701 deaths back then 
to an average of 245 deaths a year under the de Blasio administration. So those are pedestrian deaths? Those are the total number of deaths. We're down to 245, and more than half of that is pedestrians. This was started first under Giuliani. What happened to reduce deaths? A lot of this was just simple police enforcement, that if a person is driving drunk, you charge them, imprison them if they're a repeat offender, if they harm someone, and take away their vehicle. There were a lot of vehicle seizures. So we reduced drunk driving deaths. We improved the infrastructure in the car. People are saved by airbags. Under Bloomberg, we started looking to see how much more can we do. And so Jeanette Sadakan, his transportation commissioner, started redesigning the streets. So we had more pedestrian islands, more bike lanes, slow down traffic, get drivers to pay more attention. That has continued to reduce deaths. And now we see the same thing under under Mayor de Blasio. And the bad news is that New York is a good city when it comes to these rates of death. You're three times more likely to be killed in Atlanta, whether you're in a car or you're walking, but particularly bad for pedestrians. And you're two times as likely to be killed in L.A. Wait, there's pedestrians in L.A.? Well, exactly. (laughs) Part of the problem is that if you're the only person crossing a street on foot, drivers aren't going to look for you. They haven't learned to look for pedestrians. You know, whereas- you, know you have the same experience as a bike rider. And when you're out in the countryside, if you're riding in a group, the cars treat you almost like another vehicle. If you're riding alone, they treat you like a stationary post by the side of the road, and they kind of ignore you, and I think they're more likely to hit you. And that's interesting that you bring up the country versus the city, because sometimes people think if they're out in a beach town or they're on vacation near a farm and you've got this long, winding country road and there's no drivers on it, and they say, this is a great place to ride my bike because there's no one around. Well, that's where you're going to get someone going 50 miles an hour in a car, not paying attention. Whereas in Manhattan, people say, I'd never ride a bike in Manhattan. That's where you're safe because the cars and trucks can't go very fast. If they do hit you, it won't be as catastrophic. And they're used to looking for bicyclists and pedestrians. Now, we've been kind of New York-centric, and I think with good reason, because there are a lot of cities around the country who are looking to New York because we have so much experience with the mix of pedestrians, cyclists, and cars and trucks. So let's look first at Mayor de Blasio's Vision Zero. Well, Vision Zero, which the mayor agreed during the election campaign his goal would be to eliminate all traffic deaths by 2024. So it was a 10-year period from 2014. De Blasio didn't create this. This comes from an idea that Sweden implemented probably going back 15 years ago or longer. Sweden said, we are going to eliminate traffic deaths. And although they haven't eliminated them, they've come pretty close. Stockholm only has an average of six traffic deaths a year. And of course, we may never get to none, just like we'd never get to no murders and nobody falling off a ladder and hitting their head. But it is a good goal to say no traffic death is acceptable, that the way we used to think about these things as was an accident, it couldn't have been prevented. And now we say... How can we prevent each death? So what do you do? Continue with the enforcement, broaden it out. Talking on your phone or texting is very much like drunk driving in terms of being distracted, and so the penalty should be similar. Forty years ago, 
person could have a couple drinks, get in a car. They wouldn't be considered a pariah if they were caught. And I think in most of American culture now, it's socially unacceptable to drive drunk. It should be the same with texting, talking on the phone. And the other part of it is lower speed limits, especially in an urban area where people are walking and bicycling. If you want to come into a dense city with a car, the price is that you drive very slowly. There's no human right of driving quickly through a dense city. And then the other part is street design, protected lanes, wider yeah. sidewalks, and I so forth. I think this part's fascinating. I always had the sense that you can set the speed limit anywhere you want, but people are going to drive the speed that they feel comfortable driving. Right. And if you have a wide open road with wide lanes and you don't see a lot of pedestrians and the signal is to go fast. Whereas if you have narrow lanes, you've got pedestrians standing on islands that bulb out into the street, you've got bicyclists going past, you have to go a lot more slowly because you've got to look out for these people. And the the, uh, speed limit throughout New York was reduced from 30 to 25 on city streets. Yep. Talk to us a little bit about what happened when someone is hit by a car going, say, 40 miles an hour versus, you know, 25. Well, there's a 90% chance that you'll die at the higher speed, whereas if they're only going 20, 25, there's a 90% chance that they'll live. And yet so, to the driver, those speeds don't seem all, 25, right. 40 don't seem all that different. Right. And first of all, people say, well, it's causes too much congestion if people are going at a slower speed. That's really not what causes congestion. What causes congestion is more cars. I mean, you you are the congestion if you're in a car. That's not to say that you're a bad person and you're not progressive. People have good reasons for coming in a car, but they should not expect to go very fast. It, it's almost as if you come into Manhattan herding a flock of sheep and you think you're going to go very fast and make progress. It's not conducive to city streets. Has... Stockholm, Sweden, done things that have not been done in New York yet. I mean, why has Stockholm been so successful? I think it's more changing the culture that people have absorbed this message that I'm getting into this heavy vehicle that could cause damage. So it's my responsibility to make sure that it doesn't cause damage. If you're making a turn, You should never have the excuse that I didn't see this elderly lady or this child because you should be looking through the whole crosswalk. And that's a particular scenario. We've seen a lot of fatalities in New York. Trucks and buses often are left-hand turns hitting people in crosswalks or the rear wheels of big vehicles. Yep. And that's another part of the street design is look to see what is causing these deaths. And by the way, sometimes pedestrians don't like bicyclists, but the bike lanes protect pedestrians because the pedestrians most likely to be killed by a turning vehicle. If you've got bikers going through a bike lane, they're going across that intersection too. The drivers have to look for the bicyclists. Bicyclists are really a buffer in front of the pedestrians. But, but no, I, I'm, a, I'm a frequent biker. I bike a lot in the city. And the people who make me more angry than the drivers are the fellow cyclists. There are a lot of cyclists who do things that are really dumb. Right. Well, the more cyclists there are, the better they behave. Because if you're going on the 8th Avenue bike lane and you've got 
20 people in a row, it's much harder for someone to go the wrong way. Same thing with red lights. If you see other cyclists at the red light in front of you, you really have no choice but to stop behind them. And you see that in Europe. I mean, in Paris, London, the cyclists are more likely to obey the laws. But the other thing is the laws can be a little bit more flexible. If, If I'm a bicyclist at a red light and there's nobody around mm-hmm. and I've checked very carefully for pedestrians, it should be legal for the cyclist to go because it actually helps the car drivers too because the cyclist is now way ahead of the car drivers. They can go when the light turns green rather than wait for the cyclist. Right. So that's something that Paris has done. New York could- When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Think about... Mm-hmm. What is the role of public transport with all this? Well, I'm glad you brought that up because... We could not have the number of cyclists and pedestrians that we have without a functional public transit system. When when other cities, whether it's Atlanta or L.A., they're trying to be more, even Boston, they're trying to be more bike and pedestrian friendly. But the reality is... They don't have the public transit systems that New York has. They don't have three quarters of people coming in on a train or a railroad or a bus. So if and you're going to you, get that safe mix, right, you, you, you need to have all three. Yeah, because if you don't public have... Public transit, bikes, and... and yep. Yeah. If you don't have public transit, you're going to have too many people coming in on cars, and you just don't have room to build out the bike and pedestrian infrastructure. Let me ask you about Times Square, because it's a place where, you know, you don't have to be a New Yorker to know about Times Square. Mm. People from all over the world visit it. Times Square was very different 30 years ago than it is today, even 20 years ago. What happened? Well, it's much safer than it was 30 years ago. And that may seem like an obvious point, but if people moved here in the last 20 years... They never experienced open-air drug dealing or severe harassing of the pedestrians. I do, I do and, miss the three-card Monty yeah. games a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So back in the, I believe it was the early 1980s, there was a proposal to pedestrianize Times Square. And the business owners and the theater owners said, you can't do that because you're just going to have more hustlers, more pimps, more thieves. And the city said, yeah, that's actually true. So we better not do this. But once and back they, then, that would have probably been the case. Yeah, yeah. Once they brought crime down, this idea was revived. It got some traction 
under Mayor Bloomberg, and they finally put it in place in 2009, just before his last election. And it was pretty controversial. I remember people thought it was just going to cause all kinds of traffic jams and completely impede the flow of transportation in the city. More cars were adding to more congestion because at Times Square, you had three separate intersections at each crossing where drivers have to wait for the cars coming diagonally, the cars going across, and the cars going up and down. And so just getting rid of the cars going on the diagonal intersection. What happened? They went more quickly. And they did a study. It's hard to argue with because they have GPS in the cabs. They know exactly how quickly they can go from point A to point B. And it did speed up the traffic flow. So, Nicole, let's look at specific Mm -hmm. solutions and what do you think are the best in the case of cities. We've mentioned reducing speed, redesigning streets and intersections, as well as bike lanes and bike paths. If you had to pick one, (laughs) is, is there one that would be more effective than others, or are they all three? I would pick the street design. Reducing the speed limit is good, but uh, you mentioned people exceed the speed limit. If you don't enforce it, it doesn't matter if you reduce the speed limit. Now, if we had speed cameras at every intersection, then the lower speed limit would work. But we don't, and, and we're not getting them anytime soon. So redesigning the streets to kind of force the cars and trucks to go more slowly seems to be the most effective thing that we're doing right now. Now, we talked a little bit about enforcement, but one thing that always just blows my mind is when a car or truck mows down some pedestrian or cyclist, it seems like so often they don't get prosecuted. They right. get they got a traffic ticket. If somebody was playing with their handgun and accidentally shot somebody, they're going to get more than a ticket. Right. And I think we should treat these crashes differently than we do because it does send a signal that it's not just an accident. I can't run a child over and say there wasn't anything that could be Sorry, done. I didn't, because, see, I didn't see it. Right, because yeah. the reality is if you're exceeding the speed limit, the child is injured much more severely or killed, whereas if you were going the speed limit looking for people in a dense neighborhood who might run out to catch a ball, then it wouldn't have happened. On the other hand... I don't think the criminal justice system is where the answer is because the reality is they had no intent. And Mm -hmm. so it's much harder to say this person, they meant to injure or kill somebody. And the criminal justice system is built around intent. And so we can do much more. But I don't think we'll find the answer there. I think it's more in the prevention. Uh, It's true preventing other crimes as well. The states that are toughest on crime, you know, Louisiana, Texas, they're going to go out and execute murderers. They have much higher murder rates. The key is prevention, which we do much better in the Northeast. Let me ask you a a question about the suburbs and more rural areas, the role played by sidewalks. There are a lot of places where plenty of people can't afford a car, and yet there are no sidewalks. And nobody walks. If you're walking, you're automatically suspicious because why aren't you in a car? You must be either too poor to afford a car or you must be up to no good. It's not normal behavior to walk around, whether it's a wealthy suburb, a middle class or a poorer suburb. And the lack of sidewalks, the lack of streetlights, the wide avenues where even if there is a streetlight, you feel very uncomfortable crossing the street. It hits poorer people harder. What steps can bikers and pedestrians do to improve their own safety? 
Well, going the right way, obeying the traffic laws, as as we talked about. And of course, I hate to say that people should be defensive because the drivers have to do a much better job too. But of course, you should always be looking. Is there a, a car or a truck turning? You know, don't sidle up alongside a truck where the driver can't see you. You know, kind of basic things. Right, it, right. We've talked a lot about Really making sure that you you have a lot of light on. Lights are critical because that, that's how the drivers see you. And one more question related to that. When I was a kid growing up in the suburbs, we had this great program where the police came into our school and we all took our bikes out to the playground and they did this great education program on how to stop at a stop sign, how to make a turn, how to cross a street. And this was, you know, I mean, I was riding my bike to school literally in first grade. Granted, it was, you know, half a mile. Hmm. But um, Jim was a very live? smart first grader. <laughs> Where did you live? This is in Princeton, New Jersey. Huh. And it was a suburban streetscape, but I think I definitely had an idea what the proper way to ride a bike, you know, that you ride on the right side of the road and all that kind of stuff. And, um, and I do think that, you know, everybody does have responsibility for their own safety to, to some degree and that we can make the system work better, too. Yeah, I think all that is true with the caveat that even children should understand you may be doing everything right, but you're still in danger if other people aren't doing them right. And so, you know, you may be signaling, but you still have to look for the driver that crosses three lanes of traffic and comes out of nowhere because it's the drivers who aren't following the rules that that pose uh, a a great danger. And didn't you do some analysis that most of the pedestrians and cyclists who are hit were following the rules? Yeah, in the crosswalk. I mean, the most likely place to be killed is in the crosswalk. And another safety provision is the helmets. Now, the research is mixed, but there's certainly research to back me up. If you're doing cycling for sport and you're at a high speed, you're on a track or you're in Central Park, yes, you should certainly be wearing a helmet. If you're in Manhattan, the thing that keeps you safest is the safety in numbers. If you have a helmet law for adults, cyclists, There'll be fewer cyclists, and so you'll be less protected. So one study showed a person wearing a helmet, the driver thinks they're an expert bicyclist, so they'll come closer to that person, they'll go faster, whereas if you see a person without a helmet, they'll say, oh, I'll be careful because I know this person is not an expert professional cyclist. Wow, and so it's, you know, And I don't want to yeah. go out and say, don't wear a helmet, because if you get hit at a high speed and you hit your head, it could save your life, but at the same time, more goes into it than just I should wear a helmet. And by the way, maybe pedestrians should be wearing helmets as well. I mean, they're they're <laughs> facing the same danger. Well, yeah. let's yeah. leave it there. Yeah. But yeah. boy, that certainly underlines something we've learned from this show, which is there's always a different way to look at a problem. Yeah, fascinating. Nicole thank you very much. Thank Th- you, Richard. Thank you, Jim. Thank you so much for joining us. So, Jim, I'm going to push back against one thing that Nicole Jelina said, and that's this whole idea of vision zero. I, I think it's an absurd idea that you come up with a policy that says we'll have no pedestrian well, wait, or wait. cyclist well, deaths by 2024, but, but she, she didn't supported invent the term. it. Okay, uh, Mayor de Blasio of New York invented she, the term. She says it's a worthwhile goal. We all have to agree that it's a, uh, it's a goal. 
I guess, but the idea that you proclaim that as an objective of your policy by a certain date, to me... Is, when it's not is, achievable. It's not achievable. You are going to have people who die, right? pedestrians and cyclists and motorists, occasionally. The point is to get it down by as much as you possibly can. So when you can. pretend like you're going to be able to achieve it and then you don't, in some ways you undermine the seriousness you, you do. of it's the goal. It's too simplistic. I mean, here we are sitting in New York where we always have this threat of terrorism. And as Juliet Kayyem said in an earlier Fix It show, if you pretend that you're not going to have any acts of terrorism in the future, that you can bring it down to zero, then you're really encouraging fear when there is the occasional attack. Okay, now I want to talk about what I think is so impressive in Nicole's work and the Manhattan Institute that she works for. Here's a a generally kind of libertarian conservative organization that also loves urban life and they loves the idea of people coming together from all over the world to work in and live in great cities. And what Nicole does in particular, I think is important, is not to start from an ideological perspective when examining a certain policy. You know, when they started putting in bike lanes all over New York, a lot of conservatives were against it. Uh, A lot of populists were against it. Well, where are we going to park our cars? And and they just want to make bike lanes for these hipster bikers. And instead, she went and looked at the data and analyzed how these programs were working and showed that, in fact, projects like she mentioned, you know, when they created the pedestrian mall in Times Square – bike lanes in Brooklyn and other places actually in many cases helped the traffic flow and and borrowing ideas from Europe from European cities right. like Stockholm and London and and Paris right so to me the key here is don't go into an issue assuming you know the answer based on your ideology do a little research. Yeah, and you may have to borrow ideas from your opponents. From, For instance, conservatives have opposed subsidies for mass transit in New York and in other cities, and maybe they're on the wrong side of this. I think they are. Well, you have to recognize that a good transit system is key to a healthy economy. That doesn't mean that you approve every frou-frou little trolley that someone wants to but build. But it does involve uh, public subsidies. It does right. involve taking taxpayers' money and making something on behalf of the community. Right. And one of the points that Nicole made, which is that redesigning streets and intersections and making streets safer and calming the traffic down may be more effective than in reducing the speed limit. I'm a big believer in this. You can say, oh, the speed limit here is going to be 15 miles an hour. Well, you know, nobody's going to follow that especially on a three-lane road where it's one direction right they're going to drive the way that the road seems to encourage them to drive i have noticed with my own driving in the neighborhood where i live in new york city they've redesigned the streets and i drive slower on some of those streets because they've made the lanes a little bit narrower yeah so you can make a difference it can work and and i was talking about the pragmatic approach there's research on this it is working and and i think that's really important to follow the numbers, experiment, and then double down on the things that actually work. A lot of people who are advocates for cyclists and pedestrian safety, they say we should stop calling them car accidents. We should call them crashes. An accident sounds like an act of God. The car just happened to run over the little kid on the bicycle as a random act of fate instead of this driver was not paying attention and killed a child. 
One thing I am a little bit surprised to hear you say, though, Jim, because you advertise yourself as a squishy libertarian, as you're in favor of, of public spending on mass transit and on redesigning the roads. All of this stuff, it costs money. It yeah. may mean higher taxes to or, do it. Or how about just spending the taxes better? <laughs> okay. But still, I think there's a lot no, of money I, I, that could be involved in You know, in there's this. this caricature of libertarians that were in favor of this scorched earth war of all against all this bloody you know uh, you know completely unregulated gangster social darwinism let you know, people stand on their own there's a handful That's my of, objection there's a handful of wackos on the fringes um who've probably read a little too much Ayn rand um you know most people who are sympathetic to libertarian ideas it Totally acknowledge we need a government that works. We need laws. We need highways and subways. And even public transit. Yeah. But um, but let's make sure that the investments are relevant to what's really needed and not just boondoggles. As you always hear me say, instead of demonizing the opposition, let's find areas that we can all agree on. And I think everybody can agree that it's not having little old ladies killed by trucks in the city is a good thing. How do we fix it? I'm Richard Davies. <laughs> I'm Jim Meggs. <laughs> we go on and on about this forever. But I'm a fan of cities. I'm a fan of people living together. And I'm a fan of appropriate investments that make that possible. I'm so, I'm so glad to hear it. You're I thought you are less, less of a demon than I thought. <laughs> our producer is Miranda Schaefer. Thanks, as always, to her great work. And our music's composed by Luz Travinsky. The show is produced by Davies Content. We make digital audio for companies and nonprofits. The website is howdowefixit.me and daviescontent.com. And if you get a chance, subscribe to us on iTunes. Leave some comments. We'd love to hear from you. 